John here, and we've got a new sponsor, DistroKid. Now that you've finished your latest Pirate Math SpongeCore Twitch trek, it's time to get it out there so everyone can hear it. DistroKid helps musicians get their music on all the major streaming platforms, and artists keep 100% of their royalties. And because you're a high-gain listener, you get 30% off. Just go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash high gain. That's distrokid.com slash VIP slash high gain. And now DistroKid has an app. The DistroKid app is available for iOS and Android. You can download it at distrokid.com slash app or in the app and play stores. We'd like to take a minute to thank our pals over at Isotope, makers of software and plugins for audio repair, mixing, and mastering. The new gold standard of audio repair, Isotope RX11, is coming in May. Buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. We use Isotope products here at the High Gain. It's an important part of how we've been able to bottle pure podcast gold week after week. High Gain listeners get 10% off using the promo code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. That's all at isotope.com. I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Hey, this is Ed Peterson. And this is John Kiltica, Ed. This is the High Game Podcast, John. Oh man, the High Game Podcast. Let's talk about guitars today. You wanna? I'd love to do that. We're easing into the holidays. Oh, happy holidays. Slow and easy. Slow and easy, yep. <laughs> yep. Are you up there in beautiful West Seattle in a basement? I am here in a basement. Yes, you know it. How about you? You know, hanging out in the basement, doing my thing. You know how I do. I know exactly how you do. Are you drinking eggnog and standing underneath mistletoe? Uh, the basement is not very holidayed up. I would say it is not holidayed up at all. My pedal board is completely wrecked right now. I took everything apart. You did? Yeah. There's just pedals all over the floor and shit's everywhere. I'm trying to figure out MIDI shit. Oh. While you've been messing around with that witchcraft, yes, I just made incremental steps forward by changing out some of my cables for colored cables. I don't know how I get this far in life and suddenly realize, hey, wait, when I have a bunch of cables, if some of them are colored, it might be easier to figure out where they're going. <laughs> totally. I just recently ordered some from uh, our man Hank over at Rattlesnake Cables specifically in color so I can keep track of shit. Yeah, my thing is kind of just a rat's nest. It's terrible. So is my house looking all holiday? I don't know. A floor full of petals? Is that like holiday-y? Those are like ornaments. Sure, exactly. I drink alone, yeah, with nobody else. I drink alone, yeah, with nobody else. 
Beverages. Beverages, Ed. Whoa. You went into that E9 or whatever? Uh Uh-huh. That was crazy. You like that? It was different. It wasn't... Mixing it up. I like that. That's some uh, George Thorogood. George Thorogood, yeah. Old blues man from way back. (laughs) Boomer white guy playing blues. The perfect example of what I don't like. (laughs) And also just every song of his is about getting fucked up and God damn, dude, get your shit together. Do you drink alone? (laughs) Do you have trouble getting up in the morning without a drink? (laughs) Do you hide liquor all around your house? (laughs) One bourbon, one scotch, one beer. It's like, like that's a whole different song about getting fucked up. Hey, getting fucked up is really cool, but come on, dude. You know, if it was us, it would be like one coffee, one water, one smoothie. (laughs) Oh, speaking of. I have one coffee. Oh, no. One smoothie. Yeah. And then let me grab right here. I have a Christmassy frosty root beer from our good friends at Orca Beverages. No kidding. It's the frosty one with the like sort of Santa Claus, but it's sort of an elf. So it's like this hybrid, you know. It's not like a warlock or some D&D character Santa Claus, is it? Sort of also looks a little like that. Lightning bolt, lightning bolt. It's a little like that, but I think it's clearly supposed to be Christmassy kind of thing, Santa Claus. Frosty root beer from our good friends at Orca. I love them. Well, here's hoping that in 2021, the year that will be so awesome. Yeah. We'll hook back up with Jen and everything will be great. We should probably ping her. It's been a little while. Yeah. I miss her. I've got a Soleil beverage. Yeah. A blood orange flavored Soleil beverage that has caffeine in it. Okay. Caffeinated sparkling water. Yeah. Caffeinated water is weird to me. In case I don't like it, I also, of course, have a cup of black coffee. Perfect. Thoroughgood, he's from Delaware. I'm pulling up pictures of that dude. Like, I'm looking at him right now. All these pictures of Thoroughgood, is he playing a Gibson 125? You're the one that's on the web box. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I guess so. Does the 125 have like a Florentine cut? They made one with a Florentine. Okay, so maybe that is the one he's playing. Okay. Because it's thinner, right? It's not like a big jazz box. They made both. Really? Okay. Yeah. George Thoroughgood looks like a fucking lunkhead. How many blues lawyers did that guy spawn? (laughs) All of them. (laughs) You're down in the man cave with your bros, playing some pool, maybe on the pool table. Yep. And you're drinking some brewskis. Yep. And then somebody says, hey, man, you want to jam? Okay, cool. What should we play? I don't know. Anybody know any George Thoroughgood? Oh, that George Thorogood song? Does it go like dun 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 No 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 it's the other one that goes like dun 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 What key is it in? Fuck. Yeah. Uh but you're right, Ed. What we have today is an ES one twenty five, but this is strange. Yeah? Yes. In nineteen forty one, Gibson introduces the ES one twenty five. Forty one. 
41. It was meant to replace the ES100 as an entry-level archtop electric acoustic. Okay. It's only got one pickup, one tone, one volume. That's it. No cutaways. It only comes in sunburst. That's all you get. It's a hollow body, little beginner, jazzy thing. Okay. But then the war comes in. Mm-hmm. Gibson, like most companies, goes off and does other stuff until after the war. Okay. They scale back up and reintroduce it. I think the thing with George Thorogood yeah. is his teeth are so big. <laughs> he has like a huge mouth. He's like all mouth. He doesn't have like busey teeth, does he? He does. Oh. Totally. I've got teeth. They're in my mouth. So then in 1957, they introduced the ES-125T. Okay. T stands for thin line. Oh. That body that's three and three quarter inches thick, now it's one and three quarter inches thick. They shaved two inches off the depth of it. But in a weird move, they start producing three quarter size instruments to go with their regular catalog. In 58? 57, they introduce it. It first appears in the 1958 catalog. Okay. Let's just say it's the same thing. Yeah. Imagine a ES-125, but a thin line, so it's only that one and three quarter inch thickness, and it's way shorter. It's like a little baby guitar. That's cool. In their literature, they said it was perfect for students. Okay. Ladies. (laughs) Or professionals with small hands. Trump hands. Maybe in his retirement, he could pick up playing guitar. Of course. He could grab an ES-125T three quarters. And that's what it was called in the catalog. It actually said ES-125T three quarters. Perfect. The Duosonics and Mustangs and Music Masters and all of those kind of three quarter length guitars, all same time? They're contemporaneous. I don't know which came first. Let me take a look. Duosonic, 56. There we go. So perhaps Gibson was like, ooh, we got to uh, address this. Unsurprising. Once again, Fender, of course they're first. Yeah? Yeah, and the Music Man was even earlier. Uh, Music Man? Music Master. God damn it, Ed. You're doing great, Ed. I'm literally looking at the words on a screen, and then I'm saying the wrong thing. Do you smell burning leaves? <laughs> no. <laughs> so you want to hear what this thing sounds like kinda it's pretty easy to just like run it down a p90 single coil yep i'll put the tone just in the middle on five mellowy jazzy yeah If I want to go full mellow, I'll do that with the tone. Full on trebulation-y. Maybe I'd pick up a pick. And that's it. I went to thunderroadguitars.com. Yes. And I'm looking at the guitar you are playing. This is where we borrowed this. Yeah, and there's no cutaway. Thoroughgood plays an ES-125, but it's got the cutaway. It's got that like Florentine cut to pickup version. Yes, that would have been called the ES-125TC. C standing for 
cutaway, and they would have introduced that in 1960. Okay. So just a couple of years after this one came out. Huh. The 125TCD had double P90 pickups. TDC. He plays an ES125 TDC. Well, there you go. So how does this thing take various different kinds of dirts? Guess that fuzz. Okay. Okay, Ed, guess that fuzz. Mantic? No. Uh, 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 is that a, um, supersonic fuzz gun? Oh my God, Ed. Yes, it is. God damn it. I am amazed that you guessed that. The key is the sputtery that you get out of that. That's not my only sputtery pedal, though. It's not, but it's pretty distinctive. Like, I have a supersonic fuzz gun, and when I play it, it almost always sounds like that. <laughs> Put it in oscillator mode. <laughs> Just cause. <laughs> There's nothing you can do with that. I love it. Well, let's see. I'll put on the 1981 on top of that. Okay. And while I'm in the neighborhood, why don't I just put on the Sputnik? And then, since you mentioned it, why don't I add the Mantic to that? Uh, as long as I'm there, let's put it on the Phantom Operator. Oh, my God. Yeah, that is unnecessary. That is what? Unnecessary. <laughs> like, what you are doing is just like, oh my God, why would you build a board with all of that on it? Because I'm me, Ed. I am a unique individual. I love it. <laughs> why would you build a board? It's got two F-holes in it, this guitar. Yeah. And I mentioned that it was for students, ladies, or professionals with small hands. Right. I find myself wondering. Yes. If I was a professional with small hands, and maybe I'm marking up my chart or writing in my notebook, and I've got this thing laid out on my lap. Mm hmm Are you picturing it? I've got my, my hollow body ES125T three quarters lying in my lap while I write something. Mm-hmm. And then I take a break to cop a smoke because it's... 1958. Yeah, it's 1958. Who cares if I'm 14 or... Exactly. Mandatory smoke break. Yeah, hand me one of those Chesterfields. Yep. Where am I going to put my pencil? Maybe I'm going to stand the pencil up in the end of the F-hole on the guitar. Like a little pencil holder. Okay. So I can grab it when I'm done with my smoke break. Okay. I theorize this, Ed. Yes. Because when I look into this particular guitar on the hole at the end of the F-hole, the wood inside yeah. looks like it would look if you had over and over and over and over again put your pencil in that hole. No kidding. Little pencil scribbles. That's funny. Not like you put the pencil in and tried to scribble. Right. But just you know, like from however many times the lead hit the wood as you put it in there. That's interesting. Huh. 
some 14-year-old professional with small hands copying a smoke with this thing on his lap would have used it to hold his pencil. That feels like one of the worst pencil holders I can imagine. (laughs) There's probably other things that would be worse as a pencil holder. Yeah, but maybe I don't want to put the pencil in my ear. That seems to imply that that guitar spent a lot of time laid flat. I've got it laying flat on my lap right now. That's not your deal, John. I've been in a room with you with guitars enough to know that your default way to hold a guitar on your lap is not flat. You're not like Jeff Healy. Another famous blues man. Oh, Jeff Healy. R.I.P. Kind of a badass. Clearly in a different league. I could imagine Jeff Healy using the F-hole as a pencil holder. What's he using the pencil for? (laughs) Immediately after I said it, I thought like, wait, what is blind guy writing down? (laughs) Probably not using a pencil a ton. At that time, Ed, 57, 58, in those dollars, what was this thing going for? I think it was $142.99. $145. Hell yeah. In today dollars, that's $1,342. I feel like sometimes I'm okay at this game. Sometimes. Wasn't there a period when they did those ES numbers and like the 335 cost $335? Yeah. Right? I don't know what year they were overtaken by economics and could no longer practically do that. Mm-hmm. That would be something for somebody who has a podcast about guitars to look up. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, you know what's interesting about that $145 price, Ed? Yeah. The normal ES125T, you know, the full size for the people with the regular hands? Yeah. Same price. That I would not have guessed. Whether you got the full-size one or the three-quarter, you were getting the badass P90, you were getting the nice finish. It was the same thing. Sort of like, you know, a guy like John. No, not a guy like John. A guy like, well, then I was going to say Andre the Giant, but maybe that's not correct either. (laughs) But, you know, like the guy buying the 2XL jacket Pays the exact same price as the guy buying the small. I was thinking of making a breakout board, Ed. Yeah. I could color code it with the rattlesnake cables so I'll know, like, oh, where's that cable going? Oh, it's going to the breakout board. Uh, And just put all my fuzzes on the breakout board. (laughs) Sure. Of course. Okay, I've got my regular chain, hit a button, and then now it's through the breakout board where I have my choice of fuzzes. You want to a la carte your fuzz thing. Yeah. What do you have this board wired up with? I am wired up entirely with rattlesnake cables, Ed. Oh, my God. And guess what else? What? We spoke with Hank from Rattlesnake Cables. Uh Uh-oh. I don't know if you remember that because you're smelling burning leaves and stuff. No, I remember. Could you play some weird, like, dreamy music, and can we hear it? Oh, yeah. Okay, I'm going to put on the dreamy way back in time music, and we'll listen to uh, our discussion with Hank. My floor is a mess of cables. Well, we got somebody here that can maybe help us out with that, Ed. With cables? With cables, yeah. 
I love it. Okay. Say hello to Hank Donovan of Rattlesnake Cables, Ed. Hello, Hank Donovan of Rattlesnake Cables. <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> How are you? I'm great. You know, I'm looking over, and I've got my 78 Fender Telecaster Custom, and there's a cable running from my guitar into my pedal board that's a rattlesnake cable, and then from my pedal board into my amp, also a rattlesnake cable. No shit. Wow. What about that? That's amazing. Yeah, guy like me. I love it. What color are those cables? You know I'm colorblind, right? I do. <laughs> uh, it's like brown. It's it's an earth tone. I don't remember what the color was. It's probably like pink. <laughs> yeah. It's like a weave. I'm going to guess it's probably dirty tweed. Dirty tweed. That sounds good. Wow. That sounds like a thing I would like. One of mine is like a dirty looking tan color. That's dirty tweed. Yours is a wave of multiple colors, Ed? Yeah, it's like a couple different shades of browns, I think. Maybe it's snake weave then. That sounds correct. Yeah. Yep. Snake weave is what I've got, John. Mystery solved. My other one is black. The black one? Yeah. We may have got at Nam. That is right. Viewers will be interested to know that Ed and I don't always go places prepared. <laughs> oh. oh, fuck. Where's our cable? We were going to go talk to somebody and they're like, you can just plug your rig into our board. And we're like, no, we can't. <laughs> <laughs> so we ran over to Hank and Hank gave us a cable. Lifesaver. Glad I could help. I know that you play guitar. Yeah. I picked up my first guitar in 1989. It's been a interesting road of punk rock guitar and being in various bands for a long time nerding out on equipment wasn't really a thing until probably 15 years ago you're out in montana there are you from there yeah i was born in billings and i've lived in multiple cities around the state i had a stint in la right after high school and other than that i've lived in montana my entire life yeah missoula is where i live now i've lived here twice missoula is beautiful right it is amazing for sure. You know, winters kind of suck and not necessarily like cold and snow. It's just very gray. But the summer and spring and fall are just amazing. You said like 15 years. Is that when you started Rattlesnake, like 15 years ago? No. I was a cook and then got into computers and I did that for a long time. And I was running a blog called Effects Bay. And that was when I actually started getting into pedals and learning about pedal builders in that sweet era of boutique pedal builders, you know, it was just really just Wild West there for a little bit. And it was just really exciting to see like Keeley and Earthquaker and all those guys just like just starting, just trying to figure out where their spot is in, in the world of gear. That's when I started trying to figure out how to be a part of that. I wanted to be somehow involved in that. And when I first started with a soldering iron, it was with pedals. And I started just building stuff for friends and myself. Before that, you know, it was just always the consumer approach, especially in Montana. It's always a real tough place. As years go by, I start to find out that, oh, there's a guitar builder here and a you know, guy builds amp over there. But the whole time playing guitar, if you wanted anything, you had to buy it from a musician's friend or have to go out of state to find a really cool guitar store to try something. When I started hearing about people building pedals in their basements and kitchens and stuff, and that's when I was like, oh, this is starting to be really cool where it's not so gigantic organizations and big retail outlets selling this stuff. And that's when I started actually looking at like the industry 
as something a little different, like something that might be possible to explore one day. It was like a seed was planted of a dream of maybe doing something cool like that. What makes you go from that to cables? What happened was I just started researching cable capacitance. And I was like, you know, maybe I should try to make a, a couple cables for myself. So I went and sourced some cable and some plugs, and I tried out a, a variety of different styles of cables, like see if I could hear a difference, you know, and I could, I couldn't believe it. No kidding. And then I went to a band practice, you know, like the bass player immediately was like, what cable is that? And I was like, oh, I just built this. And he comes over and touches it. He's like, hey, can you build me one? I was like, sure. And then suddenly I'd start getting emails and phone calls where I'm like, hey, so-and-so got a cable from you last week. And I was wondering if you could make me one. That's when it started turning into like, wow, I'm, I'm not even trying to get these in the hands of people. And it seems like people are interested. So it was kind of like an unexpected surprise. And I was like, wow, this might be the thing. I don't doubt that there are plenty of people who play that take their cables very seriously. They know what they like. They know which ones they want to use and how they sound to their ears. Mm -hmm. How do you differentiate yourself as a manufacturer of cables in that big kind of crowded market? We try to focus on tone and durability. You know, pre-Pandy, you know, I was in a band and we tour. So I knew like what I wanted as far as out of a cable that would hold up on the road. And I wanted to have that tone. So when I was in a recording studio or a live setting or whatever, it was low capacitance, but not too low. Try to have that sweet spot of a nice, solid signal. And customer service is a big thing. We definitely go way out of our way to talk to people and like try to really make sure a buying experience is really good. As all those pieces come in, I think that's where you start having a strong presence in the business that you're making. There's all these kind of touch points where I think a customer and a musician can sit there and like hang their hat on a little bit. That's connection. You know, we're just not pounding out cables and sticking them up on the wall, trying to have a story or trying to have a presence that way. Your Instagram game is pretty strong, I feel like. Oh, thanks. Like the rattlesnake sightings that you post all the time. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's everyone from like dude in his basement to like big venue, I guess not in 2020, but like rock show kind of sightings of your cables. Love it. So literally, those are people that are either tagging us or, you know, reaching out. And that's what I mean. They're stoked on their purchase. Yeah, totally. They thought their purchase was a great purchase. They loved it enough to take a picture of it and to tag us. Yep. The least I can do is repost that and say thank you. The people that are reposting generally have some pretty killer gear that's posted <laughs> with the cables. That's nice. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> This year, musical instruments are kind of going through the roof as far as like just sales. Yeah. Have you seen a similar boost this year? Or? I think overall, we were doing better than I thought we would. Yeah. All things considering, you know, especially early on, I felt like everyone was buying Focusrite interface and headphone extension cables and like, you know, that everyone's like working on their pandemic album, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we definitely got a lot of action from that. Yeah. The flip side of that too, which kind of sucks, like a lot of music stores are still closed. They only do curbside pickup and like websites. So you start losing the impulse buys. Impulse buys are cables and straps. Right. And you lose that. We've been hearing like accessories are down for certain dealers. Huh. Other places, you know, they're just ordering them like crazy. Yeah. The horrible thing about it is there's no trend, no prediction. Yeah. What's 2021 going to be like? I don't know. Right. Yeah. What about the supply chain, Hank? Is getting the stuff you need to make your product more difficult? 
we had a couple of silver linings. Like number one, we went to Nam, and because we went to Nam, we were like, okay, let's overstock our inventory of everything. That was our first Nam, so I didn't know what was going to happen. Like the phone going to ring off the hook. We're going to be selling all this stuff, and like I don't want to be running out of inventory items and say no to a potential dealer, right? Or have some kind of delay backorder situation. So right when the pandy started in March, everyone buckled down. So a lot of those places, you know, were shut down and not making plugs and milling cable and everything from like stickers to everything that we use. Right. But we had so much of it. We just like, oh, we'll just ride through it. And we just rode right through it and didn't have any supply chain issues. And then that weird feeling in like, say, August, I don't think you guys had that weird feeling, but like around here, there was almost this feeling like, it's all better now. It's not as bad as we thought it was going to be. At that point, I felt a lot of places were opening up. And that's when we started buying product again. I think we just hit these right windows. You mentioned, Hank, that you can hear the differences in capacitance. Oh, yeah. I barely have a grip on what that even means. Is there some way to uh, walk us through that and what the differences in sound are going to be depending on the capacitance? Absolutely. You know the tone knob on your guitar? Yeah. When you roll your tone, you're rolling signal to your capacitor. There's a capacitor in there. It's a low-pass filter. So what it does is it bleeds off high end when you roll your tone knob. Makes sense. And the distance between the center conductor and the shield is a factor. If you cut a cable right in half, you have a center conductor in the middle, and then you have an outer copper shield that prevents like RF from getting in. And then there's like a little bit of insulation that keeps those two not touching. That gap is part of the formula for capacitance. So the bigger your conductor is in the middle, you need a bigger gap. If you take that gap away, you add capacitance. Length is part of that formula too. Basically, your whole cable turns into a capacitor. Huh. Rattlesnake cable is 20 to 25 picofarads per foot at 15 foot. So if I give you a rattlesnake cable that's 100 feet long, you're going to have capacitance and it's going to sound muddy, right? Because it's like as you increment length, you're adding more potential capacitance to the cable. I like a 15-foot cable. That gives you a nice like solid signal. Now, a 10-foot cable might be just a hair brighter and a 20-foot cable might be just a hair darker. And if you go 25, it's even darker. That's why our cables are thicker because I want a 20-gauge conductor in the middle of it. For me, it's probably come for the durability, stay for the tone kind of thing. Like the cable is just killer. Both ends of my chain are rattlesnake cables. And I I do a thing, Hank, you're probably not going to like this, where <laughs> sometimes I'll leave the cable plugged in. Then I set the guitar down just like on its ass on, you know, like leaning up against the wall. And it just kind of like horks the cable a little bit. Mm. Another cable, I think I would be worried about it more. So you got like a straight plug going into it? In? Exactly. It's not great for it. I shouldn't do that. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend that. Maybe you need a right angle cable. I would get a righty on there. <laughs> I actually have one and it's going on the wrong end because my pedal board was fucked up and I needed the space. So I ended up putting the right angle into my board. Maybe we can hook you up with a right angle to right angle and then problem solved. Oh my God, problem solved. Oh, crazy Ed. Rah, rah, that's what we call those. Oh yeah? Shit, I love it. The other thing that I loved, that description you gave of the thickness of the center cable and how that affects the capacitance. Mm -hmm. Even a dummy like me, I understood it. <laughs> 
I don't know if you've worked out that talk a bunch of times, but good job. It worked for me. No, thanks. I probably need more rattlesnake cables, I think. How'd we do, Hank? (laughs) It was a lot of fun. It's a good conversation. Do you know more now about cables than you did just a couple minutes ago, Ed? I know almost everything about cables. You think Hank laid it out that well? Yeah, like when he went into detail about the length and the math that you need to do, it made sense. It's not like I'm going to be going out and doing that math myself. Right. I leave that to the professionals, like our guy Hank. Yeah. Partially because of the guidance he gave us, uh, I ordered the shorter lengths. But then I realized also I ordered them because I'm not out on some stage where I need a 30-foot cable anymore anyway. Yeah. So why do I need the big, long thing? So I ordered the shorter ones. It's working out pretty well. I'm putting my board to stereo. Oh. Stereo out to two separate amps, and I'm kind of separating them across the room a ways. Yeah. Like he said, 15-foot is his standard kind of go-to length. Yeah. And so I got 15 foot from guitar to tuner or whatever, the first in my pedal board. Right. And it's a nice turquoisey color. He talks about the right angle, right angle being the rah-rah. Yeah. So I ordered turquoise with uh, gold connectors. Ooh. Super fancy. So what do you think of that guitar? I think it's really great. They're kind of hard to find. They discontinued it in 1970. Yeah. They only made like 1,500 of them. Whoa, total? Of the three-quarter size. Holy shit. 9,700 for the full-size one. Man. So what do you think of that, Ed, this little guy? I like it. I don't love it. I have zero problems with the three-quarter scale. I think that's actually very cool. Right. I think if it had the cutaway, I would be way more into it. If it had the cutaway and the two pickups, yeah, then I'm kind of sold. I just like the idea that this is a three-quarter size little guy, but as I look at it, I see that it has every last bit of Gibson quality built into it as the full-size one. Sure. So if you bought the smaller one, you were not compromising. Yeah. In 58, stuff was just made better. Yeah. 10 years later, everything was mass produced. Everything was just like cranked out as fast and as cheap as possible. Right. In 58, that was a $1,300 guitar, you know, like that was a non-trivial purchase. Someone's going to be very happy with that guitar is all I'm saying. And that's it, Ed. That is a long and the short of the ES-125T three-quarter size made for students, ladies, or professionals with small hands. Guitar. Happy holidays. Merry, merry. Merry, merry to everybody. And this year? Yeah. Let's be done. We got one more. We got one more this year. Yeah. Don't get carried away, John. I'm not getting out ahead of it. Yeah. One more in 2020. We can live with the suck for another week or so. 2021 is going to make 2020 look like 2019. But until then, yeah, keep going to our Discord channel. Yes. We've been having great conversations. People going to our website and looking at stuff. Yeah, thehighgain.com. We're all over the Instagram with the pictures, the Facebooks, the Twitters. Twitters, patreon.com slash thehighgain. If you would like to support and help us out, that's cool too. Leave a review on the iTunes. 
use on iTunes or not. Send us a mail to thehighgainpod at gmail.com. Yes. These are things you can do. Let's do it. Let's go into 21, you know, with a bang. Okay. Merry, merry. Merry, merry.